everybody, and welcome to Cult Faves, a podcast about cults. I'm Cher Martinetti. And I'm going to Bond. And what's going on? <laughs> uh, apparently, I'm going to be saying everything super perky today. <laughs> are you? Are you in a, are you in a good I mood? I don't know. I've had a lot of coffee this morning. I'm just having my morning coffee, even though for some reason... I woke up at like 6.30 this morning, which is disgusting because it's Saturday and why did I get up that early? And I couldn't go back to sleep. So I was like, fuck it. Oh, <laughs> I just stayed no. up. But I'm just now having coffee, even though I've been up for hours. Sally the dog woke me up at 6.30 and I let her and uh, the rest of the dogs outside and then slept until 9. <laughs> I love that you call each one of your dogs like... Sally, the dog. <laughs> it's like, it's Sally. Like, I know she's your dog. <laughs> but it's well, like, there's also Stella the cat. I know, but I mean. <laughs> it's like, you, you, I love that you add, like, what type of animal they are at the end of their name. Like, that's like their whole name. It's like, that's their middle name. Oh, species is their last name. They have so many nicknames. So many nicknames. Oh, yeah. I have a dumb amount of nicknames for. Rocco I have I mean Jack too and um yeah. when I when he was still alive I oh my god Jack's so Jack when I rescued him his full name on his birth certificate was Jack Daniels which <laughs> to me that was a sign because Rocco's nickname is Rockstar oh that's hilarious so I was like I'm keeping this dog <laughs> so that that was the first so but I never call, really called him Jack Daniels but I'd call him Gentleman Jack because he was so sweet <laughs> Which is like you know Aww. the high, another version of Jack Daniels, um, for you boozers or non boozers out there. There's a gentleman Jack Jack Daniels. Um, it's like their higher <laughs> label or something. And then, then I started calling him Jack Jack after the baby in The Incredibles, because I was convinced <laughs> he had a superpower. We just didn't know what it was yet. <laughs> Puck is uh, Puck is Sir Pucklebutt. Uh, Sir Pucklebutt the dog. Uh, <laughs> That's also amazing. Maybe- Baby Moon, because you know Puck is a is a moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, they all have tons of names, and actually, Puck is the only one whose name we changed when we adopted him because he was originally supposed to be Puff, and he just it just didn't feel dignified. But, but he Puck knew is it far more dignified. <laughs> well, Puck was the closest we could get, so from... it still sounded. Yes, I hear you. Yes, his name was almost Falcor, which that would have been amazing, actually, because <laughs> he looked a like a little dragon. luck dragon. Um, let's see, what else? I call them both. I used to call them both meatballs. Well, I'd call them both meatballs, but then sometimes I would call Jack Meatball Parmesan because he, he was just a little bit bigger. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a feeling Sally's gonna have that. Uh, Sally's gonna have that problem uh, when she gets I'd older. I call them banana. I call them monkey face. Rocco is monster face and also sock monster because he steals my socks. Um, oh yeah. And then and we then got- Jack's biggest nickname <laughs> was my little manatee cuz he legit looked like a baby manatee, which is why when he died, I got the manatee tattoo. It's a manatee holding a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah, which is a great tattoo actually. Um, <laughs> I love it. I do. I look at it all the time. It's it makes so me happy. good. It makes me so happy. Um what else do I call Rocco? Rocco is mostly Rockstar and Monster Face. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so many, so many songs yeah. and nicknames. Duty Butts. Oh my God, I sing songs constantly. Make oh, up songs. Hello. Them. 
I call it pet filking. Yeah. Like, and I don't know anyone who owns pets and isn't a sociopath who doesn't do it. Like, insert there. I mean, actually, Christopher has a whole song, which maybe he'll sing someday, which is, um, which is apropos to this podcast because it is, um, it's set to uh, the Boomtown Rats. I think, like, I don't like Monday. It's the I don't like Monday song, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's, it's redone as "Tell Me Why Puck Don't Like Mormons," <laughs> and he, it is, he has a whole song about, like, you know, his home is under attack from a pair of two deep freaks. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I definitely want to hear that. I definitely want to hear that. I think when we do the, like, when we talk about some of the extreme Mormon groups one day, that should be, that's going to have to happen. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think of other nicknames. I don't know. There's a lot. I say a lot of stupid things to my pets. And, uh... I, yeah, and just too. in dogs in general, when I see random dogs, I even say dumb oh, things to yeah. them too. Like, oh yeah, I also talk to the dogs when I'm walking them, and I'll like round a corner, and it'll be like the security guy at the university I walk through, being like, "Don't go through a portal to another world, is he?" And I was like, "Hey, ma'am," he's like, "Hey, crazy lady." <laughs> they already, I mean, I'm already convinced. You know, they that already everyone, know I'm nuts, so it's okay. Everyone in my, <laughs> my neighborhood is like, "Oh, look, it's the hat wearing unemployed lady." Like, I'm sure they. <laughs> think I'm just some kind of weirdo without a job because I'm always like walking around because that's sort of part of my process. <laughs> that's great. I'm working. <laughs> It'd be great if you just started like yelling that out as you were walking around without without even any of the pets, just walking around. I'm working. <laughs> Don't interrupt me. Which I'm sure would totally quell any oh, weird sure thoughts people were having about you. I'm, I'm sure it a hundred percent yeah i always whenever i stay home because like i i don't stay home i work now out of you know out of 30 rock now that i'm full time but for a couple years before that i was freelancing so i worked from home and now when i feel like when i'm home people think i must have lost my job (laughs) once in a while i do work from home oh when i uh, i'm our neighbors work nine to fives. And so I frequently will be like, if I'm not going to the aerial studio at night, I'll be like, okay, time to put on my pajamas. I've gotten my steps for the day. I'm done working. Time to put on my, you know, nighttime yeah, but pajamas. It's like three in the afternoon. It's usually like four thirty or five. And I know it, it, every time she's coming home and sees me in the door, it, like letting the dogs out and I know she's just like that poor woman she must be depressed <laughs> what, like, or what a loser <laughs> exactly and it's like you don't know no, living my best life pajama life <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like get annoyed when I have to get dressed for work and it's not like I have to get dressed up it's just the yeah. act of oh no I totally get but it because before <laughs> I was a writer for many many yeah. many years I worked as a I was a personal trainer and I was a yoga instructor and I and a spin instructor. So I got to wear yoga pants. That was my sure. work clothes. Like every right, day right. was t-shirts, sweatshirts, yoga pants, sneakers. And then I realized like that's just very I like dressing like that because it's super comfortable. Like now I have to actually wear clothes. When they're I say actually, clothes, it's like I have to wear jeans. <laughs> there well there there actually is. I will send you a link to this because a friend of mine just sent me sent this out to a bunch of us because there was a sale. But it is like actual like comfortable yoga type jeans that don't look terrible. I've seen her wear them. 
and I bought a pair, and they are great. But the jeggings, <laughs> remember when those jeggings came out? Like oh, the, God, they were, no. Like it was a joke, I think, and then like actual yeah. stores started making. <laughs> oh my God, no! I don't want anything that constricts. I don't. I hate skinny jeans. No, jeggings like, are. They look like jeans, but they're leggings. But do they feel like leggings, or do they feel it like depends. super tight? No, jeans? it depends. No, it depends on. I okay. mean, they feel more leggings than jeans. All right, all right. I'll allow it. <laughs> it's allowed. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, but speaking of, I so I have. Ow! Oh my God, I really have to get my elbow X-rayed. By the way. Oh, oh! I hit ow. my elbow two months ago on like I used to have a baby gate that separated the kitchen from the living room because when I would when I still had Jack I had to keep them separate during the day because Rocco just kind of got like a little shitty with him Mm -hmm. sometimes um once he went blind and one day I hit my elbow right into the corner of the baby gate and it's not like this was like a big or hard or heavy baby gate but I must just hit it a certain way and it hurt a lot but you know how you when you hit your funny bone like it always hurts a lot but yeah. it's been two months now, and if I even lean on it a certain way, or if I bump in that Ooh. same spot, I see stars. So I'm pretty sure you I, like... You probably cracked it. I think I fractured my elbow. <laughs> I mean, there's probably not much they can do. I they don't might think want there you to is. Wrap it. But they might want you to, like, wrap it or stabilize it. You don't want to be, like... I mean, it would be cool if you got to have a mechanical arm. That like, would Furiosa. be cool. I would be like the Winter Soldier, <laughs> only I wouldn't use it to murder people. That would be cool. And then people could write fan fiction about me and Captain uh, America. But uh, no. <laughs> I uh, would read. Would read. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Um, you need to go get it checked out. Yes, I have to go get it checked out. But speaking of getting dressed, I when we were figuring out when we we're going to record this week, both of us have had we have really crazy schedules as is. But mine has gotten ex- exceptionally nuts because next week is San Diego Comic-Con. And now I'm realizing, like, I may have to do some on-camera stuff for sci-fi. Maybe, maybe not. But if we do stuff and it's on air, we have to wear certain... You can't wear something that has a logo on it. Brand, right. You can't wear other IP. So now... And they're like, oh, and then you have to wear something that matches with whatever the set design is. So, of course, like, all right, no black, no white. 90% of my wardrobe is black. So now I have to go shopping, which ties into the whole yoga pants thing and me having to well, get dressed I, I will say i have a good friend genevieve valentine who wrote a great Catwoman uh run and also writes tons of great criticism and novels and just everything she's amazing but she also knows everything about fashion like she does epic commentary for every major award show um but she actually knows this stuff mm-hmm. like to an academic level and so if she doesn't like what i'm wearing like i remember w- new york comic con we went to breakfast first and she and i had bought a new dress and it was kind of like had a little bit of a gaping front issue mm-hmm. And and I had not really tried it on before. Yeah. And she's like, okay, we're just going to go across the street to the Ann Taylor loft. And she put me in a whole new outfit. <laughs> and here's the That's thing, though. Friend. Like, the thing That's is, a good friend. <laughs> as much as I like, but I sit here and I bitch about getting dressed and having to wear something that's not yoga pants. And I think part of it is because I've started an office job and I'm sitting at a desk most of the day. Like, sure. I've, you know, I've gained weight and it's I hate that and mm. I'm uncomfortable. But I will say this for somebody who's like, oh, I like dressing like a dirtbag. I'm also a label whore 
I am such a snob. <laughs> I have so much clothes, so many pairs of shoes. It's it's ridiculous. I'm so extra. Like I'm the type of person that'll be like, oh, that doesn't fit right, or oh, that cut isn't working for you, or yeah, yeah. Well, so you and Genevieve will get along great. Yeah. I'm a little meet. bit of a snob. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit of a snob. Oh, um, but really mostly for myself. Like, I don't really care with someone else. But if you ask me, I'll be like, mm, you can't wear that. Like, you shouldn't wear that. Um, yeah. But there's a cult activation room at San Diego Comic-Con next week. Ooh. I think it's an escape room. Oh, I love escape rooms. So I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> I have do to do it. it. I have to do, do it. it, right? I have to do it. You have to do yeah, it. Somebody tipped me off that there's a cult escape room. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much that. Uh, what well, we do have, we, we do have some early, news, right? We do, we do. We have, we have top of the show actual news. This is important. I, Monday morning, I went to check our iTunes ratings, and um, you know, as you one guys does, leaving them, we <laughs> love you. And I noticed there was a new review from one ISIS fucking Aquarian. I, I hope it really. I think it really was her. <laughs> it is. It's her. I think it's, it's really her. her. You want to read it? You can read it, but I just want to say, Isis, okay. if you want to come on, you have to change it to a five-star interview. I mean, yeah, so five-star rating. So, but then you can come so, on and talk to us. <laughs> so, I mean, we did make fun of your name. And, I mean, so it's kind of classy that you gave us three stars. Yes. But five would have been better. It would have been. Um, she says, you guys are hilarious, smiley face. But I know everyone has their own take on other people's life journey and experiences. Uh, dot 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 comma I have no issues with that smiley face close parentheses enjoyed your podcast always like to know how people are reacting smiley face period XO in kindness Isis Aquarius and I will say this and I very and I, classy yeah I it's very nice and I and I definitely you know, if she does listen to this, like Isis, if you're out there, well, Isis Aquarian, not like the other Isis that ruined <laughs> the name Isis. Um, I'm not, I don't have a problem with her beliefs. You know what I'm no. saying? It's not so much the beliefs, but there's, I think there becomes a point where I think I have questions. That's what it is. I have questions about where, when those beliefs lead you to a certain place to start believing right. other things that maybe are a little unbelievable. So seriously, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm very serious when I say this, Isis. If you want to come on and be our guest, we're not going to make you feel like shit. We're not going to make fun right. of you. I just no. genuinely want to have an open dialogue and conversation about. I like talking to people about their beliefs and kind of understanding how their thought process works and stuff. Yeah, and not even so, like in a shitty way to like judge it. No, just really because sure, I just sure. think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting. How However, as you know, my literary agent, Jen Lofren, who, if any of you are guys are into children's publishing, has a great podcast called The Literati Cast about that. She, when we did our first episode, she is also obsessed with cults. And she let us know that she was especially obsessed with the Source family because she used to eat at their restaurant all the time when she was a kid. Which is and she was amazing. in love with their in love with their salad dressing. So when I informed her, she had got a communique from a cult. Uh, in New York that we might talk about at some point that they're like, I look them up and it's like the most boring cult in New York is what it's, is what they're known as. Oh my God, really? Um, oh, what is it? <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, it's like aesthetic realism or some 
some something mm. um they send out like a gazette and she got it in the mail so she texted me immediately and it's like i think i'm being recruited by a cult <laughs> and uh, and i was like guess who left us an itunes review and so she this ended up with she's like befriend she, what, her does she want to know about the salad dressing yeah she's like get the salad dressing <laughs> so that's recipe the other, so it's the other reason but, it's also the other well, reason you have to come it, on is you have to it, tell us what's in the salad dressing it is because then she also went and bought father yod's self-published book about him that included recipes to see if that was, was in, there. in there and apparently it's very ill-formatted the book is um no it was uh it said in there that it was being that it had been sold to a company and was sold in supermarkets under this dressing brand as such and such what's the, but the dressing the dressing brand doesn't exist anymore what was it oh <laughs> uh, it's like cardini or something and um yeah we're all very sad so this might be the only way we could ever get the salad dressing recipe but like what <laughs> What is it like? They had licensed. They sold the recipe, I guess. To let's was see. it Caesar Cardini? Uh, let's see. It was Source Family Salad Dressing. The old Source Family Salad Dressing is now sold as Cardini's Lemon Herb Dressing in stores. But then when we looked it up, it's not actually. Oh, because here's the Cardini Caesar Salad recipe. Mm, no, um, that's not it. <laughs> wait, there is. There is still Cardini. But is it by the lemon herb, I guess, is out of print. Card- that's what you call it for dressing. <laughs> this, they, they, I think it's just called discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> that was what Jen and I were like. It's out of print. But at any rate, wait, that was wait, very wait, hold exciting. On. <laughs> I just wait, found the you- recipe. <gasps> oh, my God. Jen's going to be so happy. All right. We'll, we'll definitely put this in the show notes, guys. <laughs> A link to the salad dressing. That's how they get you, the salad dressing. Yeah. I mean... But it's like, actually, hold on, this is a Martha Stewart version oh. of it. But but still, it's probably pretty close. It probably is. <laughs> and there's also one from a Genius Kitchen, which I love Genius Kitchen. Mm. Genius Kitchen. Well, so, yeah, it so, looks like the same recipe. So it's not, so it's not a sad story. So we will, you'll story, send me, I still you'll think send me links to these. Yeah, Isis should come on. You'll and you know what? I gotta to say, like, Source Family, like, the more I find out little random things about them, the more it's like, listen, I'm not trying to play favorites here. <laughs> the Source Family is my, might be my favorite cult. It's, it's, it's still a they cult. Are. There's still a lot of problematic shit. I can't get down with, like, the not believing in Western medicine jam. Um, yeah. <laughs> but props for having recipes <laughs> like how many you know what i'm saying like that was so like if this was now and they came out they would be like competing with goop i think because they would have a lifestyle brand <laughs> think about that their lifestyle brand is basically what gwyneth paltrow is trying to do with goop they were into crystals they were into meditation they were into weed they were into tantric sex and yoga and music really, they didn't really believe in western too. medicine i mean come on goop is Gwyneth Paltrow really... out there. I'm telling you, I think I'm not <laughs> positive. Don't quote me on this, but I think Goop is basically copying. I think Goop is the Source family. That's what I'm. I, it's the new Source I'm family. Look, I'm looking forward to Gwyneth Paltrow's two star review of our podcast. <laughs> she can come on too. I don't care. But I have just decided that I'm going to have to do a deep dive on Goop because I am. Okay. Know, I'm just saying. I'm into it. 
It's a great name. I mean, you know, obviously <laughs> you're really thinking things through. <laughs> um, it's like, I mean, it's basically like they found a list of words that are still available that no one's named things because they're not really good. It's yeah. not really a good name. And they're like, here's one. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, so do then. we want to do we want to get into Let's this? Let's get into this? it. Let's get into I'm so excited. I am so excited that I'm like. <laughs> I'm like this that, is for you. I'm like that gift from um from Saved by the Bell. When yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Okay, go. This That's is me right uh, now. this is this is for you, Aaron Keane, our editor at Salon, who who has been waiting for the Nixium episode uh ever since we told her that we were doing this podcast. Um so let's start by talking about Keith Rainier, who started Nixium. Um, he was raised by his it's a, it's a little hard to find information about him that's not just him bragging um but he i did f- manage to dig up that he was raised by his mom so i guess there was no dad in the picture at least as far as i could determine a ballroom dance instructor who died while he was in college he is another in our long list of jesus beard dirtbags who portray themselves as somehow special. It's like the these guys have that total genius man complex that we have seen um, the damage of, like, I think, in with the Me Too movement and all that stuff. And, and I do feel like these guys, oof, they really fit right into that. Um, apparently, he claims he was a child genius who spoke in full sentences um, at one year old. <laughs> I love how these, I be, like, really quickly, I love how cult leaders, yeah. they can't ever just have a fucking normal childhood like yeah no you weren't and also no one can prove that there's no, there no proof of that but every it. single cult leader will have well, not every single but a, there's a swath of them that will yeah. have some outlandish like they were prodigies as children it's yeah. like listen calm down doogie hauser like you weren't exactly. not any of those things yeah but go so on so he and he went to uh, Polytechnic Research University when he was 16, so maybe he was smart-ish. I don't know. Um, he also claims, and apparently this was in the 1989 Guinness Book of World Records, so I don't know how the fuck that works, but he claims he has one of the highest IQs in the world. So basically what I'm saying is this guy's a real stable genius. I would say he falls into the stable genius category mm, with, sure our commander in chief, with our commander-in-chief. With our commander-in-chief. The only real thing in his biography of note before the cult we're going to discuss today is his first pyramid scheme, uh, Consumers Byline Inc., uh, which he founded in 1990. And um, I found a story about it from 1997. It basically was um, selling membership in um, a, a, a discount buying club. But there was no, there was never any real determination made on whether there were any products that were being sold. And so it was basically just your pyramid scheme where people were selling membership into this club that... This sounds like there's this thing called a Magnus card, I think. And it was, wait for it, started by the guy that I believe put on the fire Festival. Mm. Very interesting. So... I'm just going to put this out there, like, keep it on your radar. If one day the guy that started the fire Festival ends up starting a cult in about, like, five, ten years, whenever he gets out of jail, yeah. do not be surprised because he is definitely on that fast track to becoming a cult leader. Go on. So this this place was closed. He had to admit, uh, a, he signed a consent decree order 
basically banning him for promoting, promoting, offering, or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme, although he claimed he never did anything wrong, of course. Sure, Jan. Um, but, you know, it was forced to close. It was investigated by 23 states and two federal agencies, all of whom said it was a pyramid scheme. So, you know, his first scheme does really well. Like, he's he had 250,000 distributors nationwide and 173 direct employees when this thing went down, some of whom would stick with him. Um, in 1998, so this is in the mid-90s, and then in 1998, he and a woman named Nancy Salzman found ne- founded Nexium. Now, here's how I imagine the conversation went. Uh, Keith says... I've always liked the drug named Nexium, but let's spell it weird so we don't get in trouble. See, However, it's so funny because I heard Nexium <laughs> and the, for some reason, the way it looks made yeah. me think of Nexus shampoo. That's Oh, totally. Well, and actually Nexium, the drug came out in 2001. So don't at me. I looked it up. That's not really how it went. Maybe they were inspired by Keith I don't know. Um, but at any rate, so they, they found this thing. They give it a ridiculous name that no one knows how to pronounce. I imagine that 80% of you listening are listening to try and find out how to pronounce it. Pretty sure it's Nexium. But I can never spell it right the first time, which, again, like, why name your brand something like that? But whatever. I mean, <clears throat> I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Uh, so they offer uh, executive success programs or ESPs, um, which right, are so basically wait. pause. <laughs> yeah, you hit the pause button. We need we need a pause button. We do. Like we should each have a pause button, and we hit the pause, and that means like you got to stop the story so we can comment. You can do just hold up your fingers. I know, but I like I think the pause button would be a good effect. <laughs> well, it would be. It would be great. We're gonna find a way to get a pause button. We're low tech. Yeah, so we can like, order pause. But we'll figure that the out. The pause button is a peace okay, sign. So here's the pause <laughs> button. Um, any organization that not only offers something called executive level courses, but yeah. the acronym says, spells out ESP. I know. Get like fix your life. That's all. Go on. Yeah. No, seriously, though. I mean, if this sounds familiar, these are the same kind of courses to supposedly improve human endeavor we've talked about before on the show uh, and which also borrow heavily from the organization which shall not be named, which everyone knows what it is. of organizations. The Voldemort of cults Um, uh, as a model. Cultimort. (laughs) Cultimort. 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 So Cultimort, yeah, he apparently was very inspired by their, uh, how they continue to make people pay for courses and then pay more and more and more. And he intentionally mimicked that. But the other thing he was very inspired by was their use of going or their system for going after well-known names yes which is what he started to do and for and for persecuting people who try to leave which we'll talk more about right um but and and also the levels yeah and and also levels yeah yeah, the levels the making people but his biggest thing that i I remember reading about this was that he really liked how cultimort goes after i fucking love that name so much i know (laughs) goes after celebrities and yeah. started I mean, doing obviously that. that was yeah i mean but, obviously that was their thing because that that's totally it's i mean oh it's just but, there's right so much. and that's the only reason <laughs> any of us really know about nexium is because of the fact that he did that well 
Well, we'll see. Sort of. Yeah, um, kind of. But go on. They specialize in something called rational inquiry, um, which is basically just like self-help bullshit. Um, and this is interesting because this comes up all the time. But this is the first time I think we've had somebody where I've seen it directly attributed that his interest in philosophy, which he one of his degrees was in philosophy, was started by Atlas with Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand oh, God. or Ayn Rand, oh, whatever. Another sorry. unpronounceable <laughs> thing. And you can see like how they borrowed from Randian philosophy, yeah. like all of this celebration of sex that's woven into Nixium. We'll talk a little bit more in effort. Um, he also tries to patent everything, uh, including Nixium ideas. And so in his um, in a thing where he tried to patent this years and years ago, um, he used the term parasites to describe some people, which is straight out of Rand's philosophy. Uh, he Here's a quote from him from the patent uh, application. <laughs> All parasitic strategies lower self-esteem and therefore destroy value. It is our intent to rid the world of those things that destroy value. We can do this by modeling effort strategies with our own behavior and helping others learn to use them. This is spreading the mission. I feel like he, I feel like somebody gave him like six words and he just decided to make five sentences using the yeah. same six words in different yeah. order. Yeah. Because that was a word salad. It doesn't even make sense. No. I mean, and this is another, this is, sounds very familiar to Avatar to me. Their, their main claim that used to be on their website, there's not much on there now, uh, help transform and ultimately be an expression of the noble civilization of humans. Yeah. Like, it means nothing, right? It, it like absolutely it's, means nothing. You hear, you hear <laughs> civilization and, and like, it's like buzzwords. You take these like marketing yeah. buzzwords and, and then you say shit that doesn't mean anything. And this whole thing is very much organized in that sort of cultimort, uh, multi-level marketing way in which people run chapters. You know, once they get to a certain level of, of sash, they, you know, can start taking on, giving courses of their own. And so it's it's all the same kind of, of thing with some unique twists brought, brought by this douchebag. I have himself. just consulted my <laughs> my magic eight ball, my 420 yeah. themed magic eight ball. So it's <laughs> actually my magic weed ball. And it has determined that this guy is a buzzkill. He's a total buzzkill. Oh, my God. He makes people play volleyball. I mean. Oh, my God. The, hum- the humanity. I wonder if that's Ugh. because he's a big fan of Top Gun. Oh. <laughs> Which would kind of tie into a lot of other things. But it anyway. Would. Well, and, and to hit on our checklist of things these dirtbags do, um, he renamed himself the Vanguard, which is what he's known as in, in which, the and also, Nixium. But can we now also, there's another little tick, <laughs> is that for some reason, a lot of these newer, meaning like the fir- like last couple decades, uh, organizations have fascination with science fiction because Vanguard yeah. is something he took from video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was a video game he played as a kid where you like absorb it's something about evil and absorbing people's powers. And right. then Salzman in, in Salzman also got a name. She's the prefect. 
So then they recruit in the early 2000s the Bronfman sisters, Claire and Sarah, who are Seagram dynasty heirs fortune. So they uh, have and, a ridiculous yeah. amount of money. I mean, I saw numbers. There's, It's hard to say exactly how much money they've poured into this over the years. I've seen the number $100 million thrown around, $50 million, a lot of money, let's just say. Um, and so once he has this blank checkbook, things start getting weirder, right? This guy who was a con artist has reinvented himself as a spiritual teacher. Um, by all reports, he sleeps a lot and loves to make people play volleyball. I mean, and they now have like a Vanguard week where he forces people to play volleyball a bunch and have sex with him, I'm sure. And he has a harem, but we'll get to that. That's that's the main thing. I feel everybody like knows. there's a profile here <laughs> that's starting to take oh, form. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, Keith Rainier. And I, and I feel like that profile is that, and again, like I'm not saying all people that fit this profile are like this, but I feel like in his situation, he was probably a little bit of an outcast when he was younger. He probably didn't have very many friends. He probably couldn't really get girls. And he probably played a lot of games, like video games. And I feel like here's where you start to see uh, the type of person that he is who thinks he's smarter than he probably really is and smarter than other people. Um, he's a very stable genius. He's a very stable genius. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it seemed like he ha- was a bit of a social outcast and probably had problems getting girls, making friends, and then decided to use... And I'm, he had to be smart in some yeah, capacity. Sure. I don't think he's yeah. as smart as he claims, which tends to be the the case. But he I think he kind of like I think he sounds like the type of person that if he didn't do this, he would have either ended up as an incel or like a gamer gator or both. Well, and obviously he lear- I mean, it feels like what we've also seen a bunch with these guys is it feels like if he was a misfit when he was younger that he basically you know, read like how to win friends and influence people and, and really develop like this ability to manipulate people. Yeah. And I think also, you know, he read uh, Ayn Rand, which right there, spoiler alert, if you ever see that book in a guy's apartment on his Kindle, like do not pass go. As I always say, uh, do not sleep with anyone that owns uh, an Ayn Rand book or has a fucking John Galt bumper sticker. As I always say, dirty dancing can teach us so much. And that movie yeah, uh, that was, was the first the clue. First movie is a first, first movie clue. where the you saw him with the fat was man, somebody is a douchebag. Yep. That's right. It's the dirty, dirty dancing. At the end of the Rand day, test. everything you need to know in life, you learn from dirty dancing. Dirty dancing. Yep. Yep. Basically. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so, uh, Patrick Swayze forever, (laughs) Patrick Swayze forever. Um, so there were lots of people actually talking about Nexium as a cult before this year, which was something that was surprising to me when I started digging around in this, um, because I was not really aware of them until this blew up, I have to say. Um, so Rainier was part of a Forbes cover story in 2003 called Cult of Personality, and he kept a low profile for a while, a while after that. The Bronfman sister's father was quoted for that piece, and um, apparently he was t- mad at them for a while, but, you know, they're like, we'll just give you more money and disavow our family. Um, the Albany Times Union did a story in 2012 Um which flat out alleged that he was a cult leader and pointed out that most of his followers were female, that they were employing tax of cultivort, 
that suing people who talked about them or left the group. They had interviewed tons of people. This story is actually has a ton in it. Um, and it's kind of amazing that it was done, you know, in 2012. Uh, they alleged sexual mistreatment of women and underage girls already at that point. Um, and there were already people who were leaving who were trying to get authorities to look into this place, but with not much success. Uh, they talked about all the colored sashes and all that stuff. Um, one tidbit that I picked up from this story is that he had convinced some of his followers that he didn't drive because his intellectual energy set off radar detectors. Oh, uh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> he says his inner this is a quote from that story the in the times what, union what in goop hell what in goop <laughs> he, hell does that even mean he says his energy is drained if those around him disappoint or defect former girlfriends sourced <gasps> that was sourced to so okay, so so you've got like this holy smaller narcissism, media man. That's oh, just like next total. level. Well, maybe that's get, what so, next level means. Maybe Nexium oh, means next level. Like there's there finally is a word. Still, there's, there is like, still next level that's, bullshit. That's actually setting up something. There is a next level to that revelation. Oh, just I can't wait. What hold on. <laughs> all right. So so first though, we have to talk about the other reporter who is the reason why we all know about this at all. Um, this guy named Frank Parlotta, uh, uh, Frank Parlotta, Parlotto. Yeah, um, I hope I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Just butcher Italian last names. I'm not at all insulted. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he owned the Niagara Falls reporter for a while. He now has a site called the Frank report where he posts about this constantly. By the way, great name. That's a great name for a site. I got to give it up. I to know. Him. I know. So he worked briefly, uh, as a publicist for Nixium in the late, 2000s um and he eventually found out there was fishy shit going on he you know that it seemed like Rainier was not a good guy um and he was looking into money that the Bronfman sisters uh had asked him to see like where's our money going and so he found he went out and found like five million dollars that was being invested in real estate and they gave him a million dollars, supposedly, as a finder's fee. And according to him, Rainier asked for it back. They eventually sue him when he leaves the organization. And um, we'll talk a little bit. So in 2011, they sued, the Bronfman sisters sued Parlato, um, saying he f- defrauded them out of a million dollars. Four years later, in 2015, um, the Justice Department indicted him. And he has denied all these claims. It seems fairly clear that people were feeding the FBI branch in Buffalo, is what he claims, information to discredit him. And at the same time, there are all these people starting to make allegations about Nixium that aren't really being followed up on. So he wrote tons of articles about this cult while all this is going on. And this million dollars, he says, is in an escrow account. I think part of the problem is he wasn't paying taxes on it because he thought he might have to give it back. At any rate... Whatever, it's bizarre because he's still reporting on this while he's embroiled in this lawsuit, right? So according to an article that he wrote on harems, uh, this is the next level part. Women weren't allowed to have sex with anyone else once they had sex with Rainier because his semen connected him and the person and it gave her special spiritual growth powers. Um, But also if she slept with someone else, it would hurt him possibly even kill him because he's so sensitive girl bye oh my god 
And so women who commit ethical breaches against him would be given punishments like fasting or there's one lady who runs, um, who wrote books with him, who runs uh, this, the Knife of Aristotle, which is this spinoff organization they have that's basically a fake news site that claims they are um, policing bias in the mainstream media. And this site is still up and running. I looked. Um, but this Ivy Navarez supposedly had to grow her hair so long that it fell to like her feet to um, to make up for an ethical breach against him at one point. This is all stuff that, that Parlato has posted. And we know we're going to hear from you, Mr. Parlato. We hope so. But he's doing God's work, really. Um, there's so much stuff here. We'll get to the DOS stuff in just a second. But there's one other thing I want to talk about, which is this guy named Dr. Brandon Porter. Um, this guy was a Nixium doctor. There is some reading between the lines kind of possibility that Nixium or Rainier were like doing kind of experiments. Yeah, they were on doing like people. testing on people, supposedly. Well, so there's two things that this guy had to go in front of the medical licensure board for. However, he originally, when this was brought up, the Department of Health in New York declined to investigate. But then when all this became a big deal, they went back and did a 60 page report, which I looked up on, looked up. And, and this guy is going before uh, uh, the board, basically, to see if he gets to keep his medical license. He conducted a fright study on human subjects. Yeah, I heard uh, about women. This. This he made up. he made them watch videos of people being killed in brutal ways of um, like racist violence um, without any warning. Uh, and that was the thing that originally got reported. And they're like, this doesn't seem against the rules. And it's like, OK, I understand government agencies are overworked and didn't want to have to investigate this at the beginning. But come on. Um, the other thing he's in trouble for is there was a Nixium getaway and there were like 50 to 60 kids there and they all got sick and he didn't report the outbreak, which he'd be required to do as a medical officer. And these kids were apparently told not to say they had food poisoning or whatever. And there were some whispers that possibly they had been that there was an experiment of some kind that their food had been doctored. So fucked up shit <laughs> go on F- fucked up shit <laughs> it's like really all i can say i'm just like i know so disgusted I know. so originally authorities kind of declined to investigate this stuff mm-hmm. um when former members asked but obviously that changed and one of the things that probably made it change i mean i'm sure we'll learn more in the trial this fall um was the it becoming public that some women inside the group at supposedly at I'm sure, allegedly, at Rainier's, um, like, you know, with his approval, uh, started something called Dominus Obsequious Sororum. Uh, broken Latin. Uh, I was going to say, the, just because you're using Latin terms does not make your shit more legit. Yeah. Lord over the obedient female companions, or DOS for short, sometimes called the vow. Um, so if you read, the New York Times has done some great reporting on this. So Lauren Salzman... Uh, and Allison Mack, as we know, began recruiting women to join this cult within a cult. Um, but hold on, and... I think we need to jump back, like pause okay. on that, because prior to this, right around the time that Nexium started expanding into in Toronto, and I think it was with Lauren Salzman's help, because she was yeah, based at a it was. yeah, it, it was. She was friends with someone that was like she was either on Supernatural with Allison Mack. 
or something or her her daughter was her daughter was okay and that's how they got allison mack got yeah because it was actually through a cast member because allison mack was not the first person nikki klein nikki klein from battlestar Galactica. well so here's the thing at the time when they were right right, so when they were breaking into they started seeking out actresses um and at the time in toronto both these shows battlestar galactica and supernatural were shooting smallville 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 sorry smallville (laughs) and battlestar galactica were shooting and i'm fairly certain they both film in in toronto like most shows they do a lot of science fiction shows tend to film in toronto um because of the studio there's a really big studio that's there um so they started taking classes Mm-hmm. And then that's when um, that became part of their recruiting strategy was like, oh, let's get notable names. Here are these young, pretty actresses. And yeah. they kind of kept going towards these young, pretty actresses. Now, here's the other thing with recruiting celebrities into any type of uh, spiritual movement. And and this is something that I've always hypothesized about, but I think the more working in the entertainment industry... And just being a like being a writer, you know, being a creative person and having people that also work in the same industries, creative people by nature, we are neurotic, <laughs> but we are <Yes>. also very, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not saying this to be like funny. I think that creative people tend to be very anxious and they tend to also be very, I don't want to say insecure, but I think when it comes to there there is a rawness and a vulnerability i think to creatives and i think especially actors i do and think especially, especially actors. actors and actresses and this is not to knock actors and actresses because you have to understand if you're an actor or an actress part of that process is you're not just a creative person but you're also someone who's being judged very Absolutely. openly and harshly not just on your talent but also on your aesthetics and as I mean, you get more successful because yeah. you like the difference is like if you're a creative person that's one thing if you're a creative person that tries to pursue your your art whether you're a writer whether you're a musician whether you're an actor whether you're anything once you start putting yourself out there there's a lot of competition all these fields are very very hard to break into as is once you break into it it's like everything is you have to put yourself out there for people to turn you down. That is a very real part of being a professional creative that makes money is like, yeah, yeah you may be an artist yeah. and never sell your paintings. But once you start putting yourself out there and we all know that the best art, whatever, whatever form it takes, has to come from a really honest place to create it. And it's almost like a piece of yourself in a way. Whether it's a performance, yep. whether it's a, a song, whether it's a piece of writing, whether it's a painting, whatever. So with actors and actresses, the grind for auditioning because of the nature of their job to be a face of that art, um, they have to, they you know, you have to get used to rejection. Meaning like you have to take rejection, but... I don't think that ever sits well. You know, you're still like mm-hmm. you're getting beaten down as part of your job and you have to be you're told like be expected for this. And then if you start to make it, once you do start to have some success, um people treat you differently. 
And it's because most people want something from you. And when you're an actor or an actress, people, you, you sometimes are not even treated like a person. You're a commodity Mm. now. Yeah. And you are something that's used to tell some, a story that someone else wrote. You're something that's used to get ratings. You're something that's used to sell ad dollars. You know, it's, it's a lot. You're treated like a commodity and the more famous and known you get and, and recognizable you are, the more people act a certain way towards you because of all of those things and not because of maybe who you even are. And part of who you are, the more known and recognizable you get and the more money that is being banked in, on you and you're expected mm-hmm. to bring in, your public facing persona has to be a certain way. And you, I think, lose a bit of yourself because unlike other types of artists, you can't you can't hide behind your art so much. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like writers, musicians even, like there's, I think musicians can have more of a, especially if you're like a rock musician or something, like you can be a little more wild or whatever the case may be. But I think that with certain types of creatives and when that's your job and you're in that industry, um, and because I've seen it with people where it's like the way you have to behave in front of other people is one thing and then who you are may not necessarily be the same and i don't mean like people are lying about who they are but it's like maybe they're just more reserved you know like maybe i mean this goes back to like early hollywood i mean you know the manufactured persona is something that it's a very real part of of the business has never been very interested in um who women really are or want to be right and I mean, I do think there is a, I hope this is changing, but I think there's also a layer to this. If you think about when this cult was becoming big and think about all the things that we've learned about Hollywood, which none of us were surprised to learn, but a lot of people apparently were, um, you know, it's the perfect hunting ground. Not only do you Absolutely. have insecurity. And not only do you have insecure people who are being judged and who who really have, the other thing about being a creative, but especially I think about being an actress in particular, more so than than being an actor, um, is the lack of control that you have. I mean, you can control your work, you can control your attitude, you can control what you do, but for a large part of your opportunities are dependent upon the decisions of other people yeah. in ways that you cannot control and influence. So Cultimort and these guys, Nixium, are basically offering these people courses that tell them they will give you some means of control over your life. Yeah. And I think the other thing too. Yeah. And right? I think the other thing too is that and you see this often where when a lot of these people start reaching a level of success that is greater than they ever anticipated. You know, it's a lot being in those positions in those situations where suddenly people talk like they know you, people talk about you like you're not a person or like they know you. And also like the money and the possibilities and all this stuff. It's a lot to handle and process. And you and you I think a lot of times a lot of actors and actresses start to seek. And I think people in general do this. But I think Mm -hmm. this is why it's so common in the entertainment industry is they start to seek a way to be able not so much to be for the control of their lives, but also to be able to process and handle and find a piece of themselves that's authentic 
I think they believe. And also, like I said, there is an anxiousness to literally all creatives. And I think that managing it and how people choose to manage it and how well they manage it um, definitely plays into how far they go in their careers because the better you can manage those voices, you know, the imposter syndrome, um, the self-doubt, the anxiety, the more you're not, able to not allow not, them to right. your, the yeah. not caring about what other people not not prizing what other people think of you yeah, more than what it's you hard, think of yourself man. it's hard yeah. even on the very 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 minute minuscule level of which we experience it you know so it's like i can understand how people that experience it on the more and more and more um it can be a lot so i think that what happens is they're very raw and fragile and they're already looking for something. And well, this and is no where one, people that are right, basically predators right. come in. You well, know? And, and if you think about, too, like this particular cult, I mean, you think about women coming out of the Hollywood that we know, you know, Harvey Weinstein's Hunting Ground um, and a million other people. Uh, and you think about the ways, I mean, I remember being in a friend, I remember picking up a friend's very high powered CAA agent once at the airport to drive them out to a party when I was younger. And I won't say who it is or that, but they were talking about an actress who had been in a big hit movie, um, but and who had been on a hit TV show and who was trying to kind of branch out into other kinds of acting. And he was rolling calls while I was driving, right, with somebody on speaker. So I'm just like a fly on the wall because who cares, right? And basically they're like getting notes from this producer who's like, who then says that this actress is too skinny, right? She's gotten too skinny. And he, his response was, tell him we can fucking fatten her up over a weekend. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I mean, because one of Rainier's things is weight, right? He likes super thin women. So you have this sort of the, I mean, it's like women's bodies in Hollywood exist to be as men want them to be right. Traditionally. And I think, so you get women who are going into like this kind of funhouse mirror cult that mimics a lot of the things that have been that have been silent expectations or stated expectations in Hollywood, right? Like, I'm sure they didn't say this to the actress herself, but this is the discussion that her business representatives are having in the background. And it's just like, I don't know. It feels like so, it feels like the, per. I mean, it really does, like, you, as you say, it's the perfect group to hunt from for members of this cult. Um, ugh. So let's talk a little bit about the, about DOS. Um, so the thing is, so the main story, there's a lady named Sarah Edmondson who was inducted into this in Nixium, who is, I believe, from Canada originally. Um, yeah, I think she is. Lauren Salzman recruited her into this and basically made Edmondson give her a letter of collateral, like blackmail material, before she would even tell her about it. She's like, we've got this new initiative. It's super secret. Um, but we have to have, you know, something to ensure you won't tell other people, which right there, red fucking flag, you know, but she made it sound great. And there is this quote, um, by Edmondson in one of these stories where she says she made it sound like a badass bitch boot camp. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and this is what really kills me. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about this, but basically it was a sisterhood that was being marketed to these women, 
um, where they would have a master and then they would eventually work their way up to becoming a master and they would have, you know, slaves of their own. And these were all women, but they sort of presented this to the women that they inducted into it as a way to become empowered, right? Through, I mean, it just is so sickening to me using, because I do think that like all women, like I'm really lucky to have a lot of badass bitches in my life. Yeah. Um, and you know, like we talked about the crone coven on our first episode. I think there is a desire for among a lot of women to have that kind of sisterhood and to watch it sort of be marketed and traded upon. Right. Um, and and yeah, and it's disgusting. Cause it's, it's like awful. It's right. awful. Because think about it as women, like historically and society has pinned us against each other. You know, yeah. and really, you know, in the last few years, and, and I can say when I was younger, I definitely used to see other girls in some kind of way. But now, in the you know, as I've gotten older and you kind of start to realize, like, all the bullshit patriarchal programming that sure. has existed your entire life, you know, yeah, of course, I, I want to be connected with other women. And you start to realize that, no, other women are not the enemy. If anything, right. like, we work better as a group, you know, it, we kind of like what Hillary up. said back in the day, it takes a village and it does take a village. And when all of us are together, we get phenomenal things done. So it just it's so disheartening. But yeah. then you realize that this wasn't coming from them. This was coming from that asshole and that he well, brainwashed. Well, he brainwashed them to start this. And true. they did this thinking like, yeah, this is a great idea because he preyed on that vulnerability and that need. And he saw the opening for this opportunity, which at the end of the day only really served him. Absolutely. Um, although I will say like, I definitely feel, I mean, I, again, we'll learn a lot more because, um, so, so basically, all right, let's play this out and we'll talk a little bit about, so he didn't recruit people. He had these women recruit people, um, just a handful of his inner circle. Uh, apparently there's a training they had to take and they had to like respond to text messages within a minute or they'd be given punishments. Um, they finally had an induction ceremony and this is all in the indictments in Albany. Uh, it's all candlelight and blindfolds, like some kind of Da Vinci code sorority, uh, like skull and bones for women. And I mean, the thing is like, I feel like how you were just describing what we all believe in. I mean, I very much believe in, um, the power of women to lift other women up and, um, you know, in, in fighting against like sort of the sexist nature of how, Art especially gets experienced, but all sorts of things. Um, and so they they basically have this, this sorority induction. Uh, they meet the other slaves and get to find out them. And then they get the they get branded um, like a 20 to 30 minute. They're held down naked and it takes 20 to 30 minutes. And this female doctor gives a brand. Um, it was uh, a two inch square symbol. And apparently you could smell burning skin in the room and it just sounds kind of nightmarish and they were not prepared for this. They didn't know it was going to happen. Um, it was so they, it's like the Greek letters, uh, alpha Mu, but Alice Max initials also, and a KR Rainier's initials. Um, they were not necessarily told that's what they were being branded with. Um, so, not everyone in Nixium knew about this when it happened. And Parlato, Frank Parlato broke the story of Sorry. this and uh, people began to leave in droves. Nixium, like hundreds of people left as soon as they heard that this was going on, which 
okay, like credit to them. Right. Um, and so a lot of people learned about this and when Rainier got gets arrested in Mexico. So basically Parlato is, is the one that, that causes all the investigating to happen. There's a New York Times story that runs in October 2017, which is seen as kind of a turning point in all of this. Um, and so in, in March, uh, we have Rainier pulled out of Mexico and Allison Mack, a $10,000 a week villa rental, um, and brought back here and charged with ex, uh, sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and forced labor. Um, you know, Allison Mack has taken credit with coming up with the symbol. Uh, and I mean, just the way that she has talked about this and like the one interview that she had given, which was before, obviously, she was arrested um, in the New York Times Magazine piece, which is kind of a must read on this. So there were apparently 150 women involved in this. But but she really talked about it as an empowering thing for her. Right. Um, And I think that it very much was presented as we're just all going to be sisters getting better and stronger together, you know by becoming slaves with each other. Um, Allison Mack at some point married Nikki Klein in 2017. There are allegations that that was ordered by Rainier so that Nikki Klein could remain in the country. Which is also, by the way, a tactic a lot of cults have used, where they have members marrying each other because one of them needs a green card. Yeah. And so Allison Mack is currently on house arrest at her parents' house in L.A., Um, the investigation continues like all their properties in upstate New York are still closed down. There's probably going to be more people maybe uh, arrested and um, Rainier and Matt go on trial on October 3rd. He's in jail because he's a flight risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and here is the message that they have posted on the Nixium website right now. It is with deep sadness that we inform you we are suspending all Nixium ESP enrollment curriculum and events until further notice we will be in touch with more information to anyone currently enrolled in upcoming events programs while we are disappointed by the interruption of our operations we believe it is warranted by the extraordinary circumstances facing the company at this time we continue to believe in the value and importance of our work and look forward to resuming our efforts when these allegations are resolved um so i just would like to say something yeah um two things one, another reason why cults have members marry each other is because you cannot be asked to testify against right. your right. spouse, yep. whoever you're legally married to. That's number one. The other thing is that, which we glossed over, is that during this time, Nikki Klein quit, asked to be let out of her contract for Battlestar Galactica because yeah. of this cult, because yeah. she was told by Rainier to basically not be acting anymore because it was like, I think affecting her be- ability to be enlightened or some bullshit. Tons of tons of women left their families at his uh, at his suggestion. Um, there are all. I mean, there we really have scratched the surface. I mean, there is just there are years and years of people who basically you have women in forced celibacy after they have sex with this guy once. Um, they have, you know, left their families or other partners. They basically are just like sort of trapped in this stasis mode. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and obviously this guy is living this life of luxury. He doesn't do anything. He's surrounded by women who are his slaves who do everything for him, um, and who bankroll his lifestyle. I mean, the other thing that's really disappointing that I didn't bring up is that 
the Dalai Lama visited Albany and Nixium at one yeah, point. Yeah, but you know what? And I read about that too. And that's uh, that's different because that was before when when it was being um, marketed as a yeah, as, but as there a, was as already. Like, they canceled the visit once because they were made aware that there were rumblings that this wasn't a kosher thing. And he also wrote the introduction to Rainier's second book. So it's disappointing, to say the least. It is, but I, I think that, like, saying, I was reading two- about that, and I'm not, like, I'm not trying to, yeah. like, say, like, listen, like, the Dalai Lama is just like any other human being and has said some questionable shit in yeah. his life, you know? Yeah. No one, just because you are a spiritual leader or enlightened or whatever the case may be, does not mean that you're not going to be problematic in some oh, else's sure, eyes. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just um, saying, like, we know since 2003 people were talking about this as a cult, so... You know. but yeah, but I think that because <laughs> no, because I had read something and I can't remember what it was. But what I read was that when those things happened, it was before it was because the way it was presented to them and by oh, who sure. presented it to them was made like that was not the case. So they were kind of taking on face value what they were being told by who they're being told that by, which at the end of the day, I'm not saying that's right. Yeah, like it's not right. Like look into this shit. And hopefully now, a, like that was a lesson. Yeah. Because it helps give a, because it, it does, I mean, I do think there's a responsibility there when you're a spiritual leader that people look up to not to lend credibility to things that might be hurting people. Like you have a greater burden to make sure that you're using your platform yeah. responsibly. And so Absolutely. it bugs me. And I mean, and so like, I'm pretty sure, um, what's his face from, I mean, also just don't go to uh, see somebody who's for, who was ran a pyramid scheme. Right. You know but it wasn't I mean? just, like, but it wasn't alone. just him and I'm not like trying again, yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah. trying to, uh, you know, excuse that, but I'm sure, pretty sure Richard Branson also had done stuff with them. Like there were, it was a few sure. people. It wasn't oh, yeah. just There's a bunch. There's a bunch. Yeah. And, and Vincente Fox's kid is apparently runs the Mexico arm. Who and does? I think so. Vincente Fox, the Mexican president's kid is involved in the Mexican arm. Oh, I didn't know perhaps. that. I didn't know that. I think so. I think so. I know um, that um, supposedly to, uh, Pastor really Van Dien's look- stepdaughter is like in that I'm also really looking forward to the Dalai Lama's one star review of our podcast. <laughs> he would never. I don't think he reviews people's podcasts. I don't know. I know, he you tweet. never know. He tweets, right? Like it's one step removed from tweeting. At any rate, so what's our what's our takeaway here? Our takeaway is Keith Renier is a fucking dirtbag. Who deserves to go to jail for a very long time. I mean, yeah, that's one of them. I think the other one is, you know. <laughs> Again, what we the pattern emerges of that type of personality. Yep. Um, which you know the profile seems to to fit. <laughs> he's he's the epitome. I feel like of uh, a new age cult leader, and when I say new age, I mean like yeah, a, this day and age cult leader, not somebody that like believes yeah. in crystals or you know, is pulling from Eastern philosophy, but they have a very nice, he's website. very, everything about <laughs> yeah. him is a very of now. Yeah. Like, that's why I feel like he's a type of person. I think he's feel, I feel like he's cut from the same type of cloth as a lot of the people that we see in the alt right universe that are, you know, building up these fan bases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just don't listen, don't. And women like, don't, 
women just don't fuck anybody who has an Ayn Rand book that I stand by that (laughs) and also women like if if uh if women want to empower you'll know like you you'll know um they will not be telling you to bring them coffee and text them back and call them master yeah anybody that's trying to control you and is not trying to empower you like that's bullshit and i know what it is it's like they pull that hole well you have to break down your ego in order to get past it no No. dude you don't like breaking down your ego does not mean somebody enslaving you or you're not being an indentured servant to someone else it means uh, letting go of your (laughs) bullshit that's what it really means also women are women's egos are broken down enough by society already most women i know need more exactly exactly it's like we're already like (laughs) no exactly a (laughs) hundred percent So my biggest takeaway, my biggest (laughs) life advice is, and we said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I will say it until the end of time. Everything you need to know about life, you will learn from Dirty Dancing. (laughs) That's my, I'm ending it with that. That is a, that's a good takeaway. I feel like that's a good takeaway. So we're taking next week off. We are. So we're taking, well, yeah. So next week we're taking off because Gwen is traveling and I'm going to be, I'm going to need a few days after San Diego Comic-Con to not do or talk to anyone. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. But the following week after that, we'll be back. And we'll be back with something crazy, like, per Um, (laughs) But until then... Keep letting us know. Yeah. Yeah. So until then, you can always find us online at Cult Faves on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you want to leave us a message or say hi or you have a question for us, seriously about anything or a comment about one of the cults we've talked about or want to put a cult on our radar, you can hit us up at cultfavespodcast at gmail. And of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, which you know you are, <laughs> um, give us some love on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts that allows you to rate podcasts. And if you're Isis Aquarian, seriously, call me. And send us a salad dressing recipe. Also, if you have a great salad dressing recipe, you can send feel us free that to too. Send, that. send us that too. Yes. <laughs> we are now soliciting salad, re- salad recipes. Salad dressing recipes. I can't speak. But until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.